Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 124. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Are you ready to rock your restaurant with Sales Stars? Well, you better be because Sales Stars is a game-changing staff training system that doubles and even triples your sales while providing unforgettable dining experiences for your guests. You have got to learn more, and you can do that by going to restaurantrockstars.com. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Kevin Bam. Kevin, are you feeling unstoppable today? Despite a little bit of a cold and aided by some green tea, yes, I am feeling unstoppable. <laughs> okay, well, we are grateful to have you here to share your story and to gather your advice. And before we dive in, I have to ask you, has anybody ever told you you look like Colin Farrell? They, on, on my really good days, they've said it a couple of times, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. When I'm really well-rested and maybe more when I was younger. Oh, well, yeah, I definitely. It was one of the first things I noticed when I, I thought. I, did, I was like, I didn't know Colin Farrell was a restaurateur, too. So, uh, yeah, I, mean, I had to point that I out. I don't have the Irish accent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so we got to get back to the show. He's not a bad guy to look like, so I'm sorry. I had to get that out of the way. Let me give you the uh, formal introduction now. Uh, Illinois native Kevin Bam is the co-founder of... Boca Restaurant Group, since 1992, he has contributed to opening the opening of 17 successful restaurants, with four additional restaurants scheduled to open in 2015. From the James Beard Foundation to Michelin Stars, the Boca Restaurant Group has accolades coming from all angles. Bame and his business partner, Robert Katz, have won Restaurant Tours of the Year from Time Out Chicago in 2010, the Chicago Tribune in 2011, and were named Empire Builders of the Year by Eater National as well in 2011. In 2013, Boca Restaurant Group was named one of the RH25 in Restaurant Hospitality Magazine. Kevin, this is just a taste of who you are, extremely aerial. I'm not even diving into the bits and pieces, but uh, I'm going to leave that for you, and I'm going to pass it over now for you to kind of tell us about when you knew the hospitality industry was more than just a job for you and going to be your career. I mean, you, you dropped out of college, and you kind of just tackled this industry like a madman. Tell us about it. You know, I, I'm a really, really lucky guy because when I was 10 years old, I knew that I wanted to own my own restaurant. Oh, wow. I didn't really know how to do that or, or how I was going to get there, but there was a moment when I was 10 when I told my parents I wanted to own my own restaurant. But um, with no mentors and no idea how to get there, I went to University of Illinois. I, you know, I was a political science major. I thought I would be a lawyer, and after after three years of being there, I just said, you know what? When else am I going to have an opportunity where uh, I can kind of live without consequence and I can oh, just yeah. go and, like, see if I can make this happen? So I had an idea. My idea was if I work double shifts for maybe a decade, then I could save my money on one job and I could uh, live off of the other job. And at some point I'll have enough money to open up a restaurant. And that was that was kind of my idea when I drove to Florida in my little tiny beat up Suzuki Samurai, um, and I, I, it took me about three years. I saved up enough money to open up a little, very modest, six table restaurant in in Seaside, Florida, 
So when I left and dropped out of college, the goal was already, I'm doing this until I open up a restaurant. (laughs) That is awesome. You have that determinism. And I have to ask, you said you were 10 years old when you knew. Was there one thing when you were 10 years old, when you can just like think back in your life that made it so clear to you at that age that this is what you wanted to do? There's an exact moment. I was at uh, I was at MCL Cafeteria, this uh, this restaurant that was a cafeteria, but the dining rooms were actually kind of fancy. And um, I was wearing these beautiful green corduroy Oshkosh pagash. I was very proud of them, um, overalls. And I I got a full tray of food and I took it out into the dining room. And as soon as I sat down, I flipped the entire tray all over myself. <laughs> so my, my, my father was, was getting on me and, and, and yelling at me. And a, and a uh, very well-dressed gentleman came over that was working in the front of the house and just said, you know, son, no problem. He, he cleaned me off real quick. He got me a full tray of food. And it seemed like he did it all in like one smooth death motion. And it, and it happened, you know, it took like a minute. Mm-hmm. I was clean. I had a new tray of food. And he was kind of settling my father down. And I was like, God, that is just so cool. And I, I think is that's when it kind of clicked for me. Oh, wow. Um, I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed the hospitality of it. He was, he was slick from what I remember. <laughs> so I, thought he was, I thought he was very cool. That is um, such so, an awesome aha moment, dude. Yeah, it <laughs> was incredible. It so was. I still remember it. Let's fast forward to uh, the time you met your now business partner, Rob Katz. You're having coffee. Yeah. Bring us to that that moment in time where you decided to, you know, look into the future with him. Yeah. So, so I had had some restaurants in the South. Um, I was looking to get into Chicago. Rob was had been in the nightclub and bar business and was looking to get out of that and into the restaurant business. And some mutual friends had said, you know what, you two should meet. And we met for a cup of coffee, and, and, and I think both of us thought it was going to be like this 15-minute cup of coffee where we just touch base. And it kind of turned into about a four-hour cup of coffee mm. where, where we really hit it off. Um, we were very fast friends. We kind of thought alike. Um, and, and we left that meeting, I think, both thinking, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Let's just let's open up a restaurant together. Mm-hmm. Man, I love your no consequence like attitude just to take chances. I think that's such an important part to the success of so many restaurateurs. Um, I feel like we're getting to know you now. I, we got your story. We know how you got into this industry. Um, now we really need to get that motivational, inspirational ball going. And I'm going to have you do that, Kevin, by having you share a success quote or mantra. What do you have for us today? Well, I, got, I have two. I have two. One, one is um, uh, Bobby Knight, a polarizing figure, but he's got a, he's got a great quote, um, which is, the key is not the will to win. Everybody has that. It's the will to prepare to win that's important. Um, I think everybody in this business wants to succeed and um, can get a, a, enough adrenaline up to open up a restaurant, get excited about it. But, but truly where you gain success in this business is, is, is preparing on a daily basis. And that preparation usually manifests itself in hard work. So, um, and then the other one is 80% of success is just showing up. Um, uh, you know, from, from an early age, uh, I've never been about idle chatter. I've been about doing something. And I think if something's a good idea, um, I don't want to talk about it too long. I actually want to execute it. Oh man. Um, <laughs> you are uh, man, you're just getting that motivational, inspirational ball going. And I just love, um, everything that you're saying, I think this interview is going to kick some serious butts. So now <laughs> we just got to get some it factors from you, man. I've learned from, from doing all these interviews and over time that it's, there's no such thing as a successful restaurant. There's only incredible successful people behind restaurants. And I want to know what your habits are. What makes you successful? What are 
your it factors. Hit us. I think it's I think it's a combination of two things for me. I think I think one it's it's a it's a true love of people. I think if you're a cynic and you're in this business, um, it's it's going to be a short career for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and and kind of that um, partnered with a serious competitive nature. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of lip service in this business where people give quotes from, well, well, it's not a competition. It's you know, we're not in this to compete. You know, we just worry about ourselves. But at the end of the day, we're all competing for the same restaurant dollar. Mm-hmm. So it, it, whether you're competing against yourself or whether you're competing against the person next door, I think that um, a competitive nature is a really positive thing. Rob and I were both guys that grew up in athletics, and I think that this is where we still get to compete. Now, you, you said your first if factor was the love of people. What is it? Yes about making people happy? Like, there's one thing you can just think of that, about maybe how it makes you feel. What exactly is it that you love about making people happy? You know, there's a, there's a great Maya Angelou quote that, that says, years after you meet somebody for the first time, it, you, you won't remember the exact dialogue or what was said, um, but you'll remember exactly how they made you feel. Um, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a true believer of that. Um, and, I, you know, I've had some experiences in my life just as a customer and, and have recognized how it makes me feel and, and have, have wanted to be able to, to provide that to people. You know, I, I remember an experience I had at Love Madison Park a few years ago where, um, you know, Rob and I were going to New York for the James Beard Awards and walking into Love Madison Park, you know, which may be the, most, the, the best restaurant in, in the United States. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I walked in the door, I just made an open table reservation. As soon as I walked in the door, the, the maitre d' was like, Mr. Bain, we're so glad you're here. <laughs> you're with Mr. Katz. Welcome. But we went to the table, and there was a handwritten card from Danny Meyer on the side of the table. And then, then they took us to the, the kitchen, and they had a table set up for us in the kitchen. At the end of the meal, I went up to the maitre d' and I said, "Hey, I just want to thank you for such a wonderful time." I said, "Quick question, though. I said, you pronounced my name correctly, which most people never do. So, how did you do that?" And she goes, "You know what? It had me stumped. So, about a half hour before you came, I called Boca Restaurant to make sure that I was going to pronounce your name correctly." And how many times did I mispronounce your name good. In the, when I just Several. called you? <laughs> good thing I asked, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, so uh, it was just little, like little touches like that, that that just make people feel good. And uh, I mean, that's, I think that's important to us, the important to the whole culture of our company. I will say in preparation of this interview, I tried searching videos of people saying your name, but I was running out of time. I did put the effort there. I promise you, but uh, <laughs> all great stuff, man. Thank you for uh, sharing that. And I, I sometimes like to add some if factors when I was researching you, some of the things I noticed yeah. and they kind of come right out of that book of, you know, seven habits of highly effective people. Uh, the first habit habit is uh, you're, you're proactive and you kind of prove that with the second quote you shared saying like, you don't, you don't wait for things happen like you you take action and you make things happen you're extremely proactive and i think that's extremely admirable or admirable and also um the fourth habit from that book is uh think win-win and the sixth habit is which is uh synchronize and i think uh you you kind of you show that with your ability to synchronize with your business partner rob katz and then one of the videos i was watching you say the the brotherhood of restaurants in chicago is very fraternal do you want to speak to that at all yeah, you know what? One of the great things about this city, besides just being a great city to open up a restaurant in, and it has a great restaurant economy, is the fact that I think there's a, a mutual respect among um, some of the bigger groups and some of the better restaurants mm-hmm. um, 
here in Chicago. And I'm, I'm happy to say that a lot of my great friendships in this town are people that are actually in the business. I don't mm-hmm. know if that exists everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're here in West Loop, you know, one-off hospitality, which is, um, you know, Paul Kahn and Donnie Medea and, and their great group. We've always had a very nice relationship with them. Let us entertain you. We have a wonderful relationship with them. Um, and I, I consider a lot of these guys friends. Awesome, man. I love it. And, uh, I mean, just the ability to work with other people, I think, if you can see the strengths in other people and maybe if you can recognize your own weaknesses and make up for your weaknesses by surrounding yourself with maybe, I don't know how, you know, your relationship with Rob, but I feel like I'm sure that's going on in some way, some form, you guys, you know, um, complimenting each other. And uh, we could go on and on about this, but we need to have you share a story now about when these two it factors that you mentioned, love for people in your competitive nature, pick one of them and bring us to a time where one of these it factors really helped you get to that next level. Bring us like to the second. Well, so if you look back at my first restaurant, I like to say it was uh, it was it was kind of stuck together with bubble gum. You know, it was kind of, um, it, you know, I had plastic tables with um, long black tablecloths, and then I'd fill these resin tables with, um, with, with concrete so they felt like it was a sturdy table. You know, so we didn't have a lot going for us on the aesthetic side, so we always used to talk about, you know, our competitive edge was that we were going to, we were, we were going to love the people more than anybody else did. <laughs> so that was, that, that, was, that was our competitive edge. So I think that on a, on a nightly basis, we just tried to go over the top be really creative about what we could do for people. I, I remember a gentleman coming in early um, to the restaurant to bring in a bottle of wine. He, he had come in, and it was him and his wife's anniversary, mm-hmm. and he had a bottle of 1961 Chateau Lafitte that they were going to drink, and there was 10 of them that, that were in the group, and he wanted me to decant the wine early, and when I decanted it, it was court. He was devastated. Oh, and he and I said, I go, I said, listen, I go, how wine savvy are, are the people that you're with? And he said, extremely. He said, we, we can't we can't replace this with a bottle of silver oak. They're going to know the difference. Mm-hmm. And I said, give me a couple hours. So I started making all these phone calls in the panhandle. And he and he'd also said that he goes, listen, I can't afford to buy another bottle of 1961. I said, let me see if I can get it close. So <clears throat> I found a gentleman down the street who had a bottle of 66 Lafitte. Went to his house. He he liked the story. He sold it to me for three hundred dollars. We went back into Canada, and everybody in the party didn't know the difference. Oh man, awesome! Dude. So <laughs> he, he poured me he poured me he poured me about two ounces of that wine. Gave me a little wink and clinked glasses with me at the end. And to, to this day, I get to tell now that's our secret. Man, I love it, and well, yeah, until now, right? But what an incredible story of just, you know, like you said, it's about the love for people and just making people happy. And it's those people, I like to say this personally, but it's those who like to, you know, inconvenience themselves the most. Whoever can go the furthest out of their way to make somebody else happy are those who are successful like you. And that's just an incredible story of, you know, what you're willing to well, do. Well, I appreciate ahead. it. Yeah, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it, it's this job can be really boring if it's mm-hmm. the same every single day. Yeah. The, those kind of events are the kind of things that actually make it exciting and fun. Mm-hmm. I love it, dude. So we can learn a lot from these, you know, stories of success, but we really, really learn about, you know, what makes us or breaks us through those stories of failure. So can you share with us a time, Kevin, where you just fell hard on your ass and tell me about, like how you got back up? Please, please cue the sad music while I tell the story. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, um, I moved to Nashville in the late 90s uh, to open up a restaurant. And, and I basically took all the money that I'd made off selling my first three restaurants to open up this very big restaurant. 
And unfortunately, I kind of forgot what, what, what got me to that point, which was kind of this middle-class sensibility and um, doing everything myself. And um, it was a much bigger restaurant, so I had to rely on a lot more people. And I don't think that I was seasoned enough or knew enough at that point to be able to do it because I needed to surround myself with better people to be able to, to accomplish opening up a successful restaurant in Nashville. And it was difficult, and it didn't work. Um, we opened with uh, acclaim and crowds, but but really at that point it was uh, it was too big of a restaurant for me, mm-hmm. um, and I was I was too young and, and and hadn't learned enough yet to tackle something that large. Ultimately, after that happened, um, I was in I was in a pretty deep depression, mm. and and my my mom said to me, you know, don't go backwards, go forwards. The goal for you was always Chicago. Um, I had opportunities to go back to Florida. I had opportunities to stay in Nashville and do do another restaurant, and and I, I came here. I said, listen, I'm going to go to Chicago. I'm going to make it work, um, and it was it was great advice because I, I didn't I didn't dwell on that not working. Um, it, it, it's so hard when you come out of something like that. Everybody wants to give you advice, like you know, this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to you, and um, you know, the lessons you learned in this are going to are, are going to pave the way for success. It's really hard to listen to those kind of things when that mm-hmm. happens, um, yeah. and I couldn't. And I couldn't listen to it. I yeah. didn't want to listen to it. Um, but you know what? It, it was true. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. I, I, I came here. I had a renewed sense of determination. Um, you know, Boca that we opened here was a much smaller restaurant than the restaurant in Nashville, mm-hmm. but um, it, 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 it allowed me to refocus and recalibrate. Man, that's a, a great example of uh, something that, you know, a, a quote that comes up often on the show is, you know, fish rots from the head. And uh, <laughs> and I think a lot yeah. of people, they um, it's when you have all this success, it's really easy to get passive and to, you know, think you, you've, you've done it all and that you're, you're good and it's clear ceiling. But it's always as soon as you start to, like, think like that, that, you know, things can catch up to you. Do you think, am, am I drifting from the point you're trying to make or do you think that's kind of close to what you were saying? No, that's it. I think that people sometimes think that they they, they solved it, that they mm-hmm. solved the Rubik's Cube, and they're like, wait a second, I've figured this game out. But uh, if there's one thing I figured out about the fact that we open up a different restaurant every single time is you never have it figured out. Mm-hmm. They're all different. Every single restaurant's different. It moves differently. Um, and so I think as soon as you think you've got it, tackled that's when it all goes to hell mm-hmm. so would you so, what would you say the one thing you do differently now is from this experience don't go in overconfident mm-hmm. um i think a certain amount of fear is really healthy and the fact that i go into every single restaurant um still sick to my stomach and um <laughs> with a lack of sleep um is a positive thing awesome man <laughs> well thank you for sharing that you know very uh sincere story truthful story and uh, it takes a lot to kind of uh show your cards like that so thank you all right so i feel like we really know you now um we've got your it factors your failures it's time to dive into some restaurant bombs of knowledge and i know you're gonna blow us Bam. <laughs> yes. let's do it before we do that, we need to take a moment to thank our sponsors who make this resource free to you, our listeners. Listen, you want to wow your guests and not just give them another 
ordinary experience. This takes training, and with Sales Stars training, your staff becomes powerful brand ambassadors for your restaurant, which builds your business. Often, your customers, well, it's their first time visiting your restaurant, and they don't know what makes your restaurant great, or they don't even know what they'll enjoy. Your staff are trained to make recommendations your guests will love by educating, informing, and entertaining at every stage of the meal, every table, every time. Your guests have more fun while your restaurant makes more money. Now, that is a win-win. Sales Stars is proven to build team spirit and communication, lower staff turnover, and double your check averages while giving your guests dining experiences they'll rave about. Seriously, what else do I have to say? Check out Sales Stars today at www.restaurantsrockstars.com for a 60-day, no questions asked, money-back guarantee. And guess what? Just because you're listening to Restaurants Unstoppable, you will get 10% off at checkout by entering promotional code deal. All right. So what advice do you have for funding a restaurant and getting that capital? Wow. Big, okay. Big question. So really at the end of the day, especially if you're getting started out, you're never going to find a bank to finance you. It's Mm -hmm. not going to happen. You you have two ways of getting this done. You can either find someone who's willing to finance it for you or you, or you're independently wealthy or you can, or you can save up the money yourself. I mean, I literally saved up enough money to open up my very first restaurant, but it was a different time. It could be probably much harder to do that today. Um, but just looking at, at my company as a model, we have six chef partners who have equity in the restaurants who basically got it through talent. Mm-hmm. And I, I, think, I, think that, I think that can happen in this business, and I think it does happen all the time. So I think if, if, you, if you have a good plan, if you go in and you can prove yourself within a restaurant group or prove yourself to some good clients, you can fi- you can find money that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious. I've heard people say, you know, in order to be successful, you need to be willing to live unpractical, like, you know, just be like as far out as possible. And I'm curious when you were, you know, trying to save this money and working, serving, how, what was your lifestyle? Like how, like, Far out I lived. I lived. Ago. I lived in. I lived in squalor. Um, <laughs> I, I was. I. I was very superstitious. Mm-hmm. So I had envelopes that I would keep in my closet. Mm-hmm. And after I got done with a shift, if it was my saving money shift, I would take all the money that I made and I would look at it and I'd seal it in the envelope. And I cursed myself if mm-hmm. I ever opened up an envelope that I wouldn't open up my own restaurant. I had a passbook savings account. I would take all my envelopes at the end of the week into the bank, rip them all open. And I, when I hit a certain number in the bank, I said that's when I was going to quit my jobs and open up my restaurant. And I was really super determined. I mean, mm. I, you know, I would, uh, you know, if I, I would give myself a certain amount of allowance, you know, to go out afterwards. And if, you know, I had five dollars to spend, I would go to the place that let us drink for free for an hour, and then or the place that had dollar beers. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I lived in a little tiny. I think the first year and a half I was there, I didn't have a bed. I slept on a couch. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, I just um, want to ask the people at home, like, how willing are you to be this unreasonable with your lifestyle? Because really, that's like you have to be so unreasonable with your lifestyle and so willing to sacrifice a certain lifestyle to get to that point where you can't have it all. One of my favorite sayings I, is, "I love that." I love that word, unreasonable. Yeah. There's, there's a great quote that says, "The reasonable man." you know, um, figures out what society wants, conforms to society, and the, the unreasonable man decides what he wants to do and makes society conform to him. Oh, man. Therefore, change in the world is impossible without the unreasonable man. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I love it. And the, and, I am that unreasonable man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you obviously, you, the, it takes that, though. Well, and everybody around me in my life at that time thought that I was crazy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but, everybody that I went to college with, my, my parents, um, just were horrified that I would drop out of the University of Illinois and and actually try to go save enough money to open up a restaurant. It just mm-hmm. didn't seem possible. I think I was one of the only people that, that thought that it seemed possible. Yeah, and there's a quote that I, I wanted to share, and it, it's kind of right on with what you're saying, and I'm not sure where it came from, but it's the definition of an entrepreneur, or, or in this case a restaurateur, I guess, would be somebody who's willing to live their life like no one else will so they can live the rest of their life like no one else can. And I think you are living proof of that. No, I, I like that quote. Yeah, man. I like that quote. I'll let you use it whenever you want. I can't tell you where I got Thank it from. You. <laughs> I don't know where it came Thank from, but it's a good one. Yeah, listen, I, I, had, I had a certain sketch for my life that, uh, you know, I, I had in my head, you know, 20-something years ago, 25 years ago. Um, and, it's, and, and, and the sketch is actually, it, it's actually better than the sketch, um, which, is, which is really awesome. Awesome, dude. And I don't know why I always say this is going to be a speed round because it never turns out that way. But uh, we, yeah. you're giving us great advice. We have to move on to the next question, and that is what advice yeah. do you have for a hiring good people? You know, the best luck that we've had with people are not people that possess uh, a three-page resume mm-hmm. and have worked at all the best restaurants around the world. They're people that are young, that are hungry, and that are smart. So, you know, round one of every interview that we ever have, do you like them? Do you think they're smart? Um, that's how we start everything up. I think we believe in our training program. Um, we believe that we can mentor um, young minds. And so we hire people uh, creatively rather than technically. How much do you think gratitude factors into that? What's that? How much do you think gratitude factors into that? You say you hire people without the best resumes. Do you think maybe that because they realize maybe their their resume doesn't stack up against some other people that they might just be that much more grateful to have the opportunity? Do you think that works into the equation? It's it's certainly it's certainly possible. You know, I certainly the the I've worked with a lot of people who have great experience who've been underwhelming just because they they don't seem like they're out to prove anything. Mm-hmm. They're, they're more looking for the restaurant to prove something to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I find with younger people who have not worked a lot of places or who are just starting out, they have a complete open mind, and they completely embrace our culture because it's the first culture that they know. Oh, man, I love it. So when you find these good people, what advice do you have for keeping them on your team? you got to be really listen, you, uh, I've got a lot of advice in that regard, and I think we've gotten better at it as years have gone on. One, you have to be able to provide growth for these people. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons that Rob and I keep opening up restaurants mm-hmm. is that we don't want to lose the great people that we already have. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time we open up a new restaurant, it opens up all these management jobs, and um, both in the front of the house and the back of the house. So I think that you know Ian, who is the vice president of our company and is also a partner now, was the first employee we ever hired. 
he was a bartender at Boca. And all you have to do is point to Ian to show people that there's an unlimited growth in our company if you kick ass. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he started as a bartender and then moved to a bar manager at Landmark and then a manager, then a general manager, then director of operations and vice president, now a partner. Um, and so we just we, we point to Ian every single time and say, listen, be great. You, you'll, you'll grow, period. Oh, man. You are giving us some incredible advice. And uh, I, you said you could go on this forever. I, I, I'm tempted to, to dig a little deeper. And what For somebody who doesn't yeah. maybe have the, um, I guess, the uh, vision to be as big as, say, Boca is, and they just want that one or yeah. two restaurants, like, and they can't maybe provide those opportunities, what advice do you have for them? Sure. Well, I think he, I think he, I think the culture's got to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, working in a restaurant that is alive um, and it's fun and it's creative to me is one of the greatest joys of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and working in a restaurant that is oppressive um, and stifling is one of the worst things in life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think you have to really be careful about the culture that, that, that you have, the, mm. the people that are managing for you on a daily basis. And is, is this an exciting and fun place to work? These are, these are these people's lives. So creating energy within the restaurant that makes people want to come to work on a daily basis. And it's something you have to be really protective of and really careful of the people that you hire that are putting that message out for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think just creating a great environment that makes people feel good on a daily basis Kevin, um, yeah, Kevin, you're just feeding us gold, dude. <laughs> this is such great advice, and uh, you put in a big smile on my face. And the next question I have for you is, what is one or two or three, maybe if you got them, uh, re- restaurant resources like books or maybe websites that you r- would recommend as like must reads for personal growth or just how, on how to run a business? Do you got anything for us? You know what? I just had this conversation the other day, which was that there's not a lot of amazing books out there, especially from a front-of-the-house perspective mm-hmm. that teaches you about culture and life. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the gold standard is Danny Meyer setting the table. Yeah. I, I, think um, I might alter this question and say, what's one resource like Danny Meyer setting the table? Because it's the one go-to. Yeah, listen, it, you get, there's, there's, there, there, is, uh, there, there are openings out there for, for, for people, for, for there to be uh, more books um, to talk about restaurant culture and life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, hmm. another, another resource, man, I, I think the best resource in this business is going to other restaurants, mm-hmm. um, uh, is, uh, you know, being, being a student of life, going to other restaurants, seeing what other people are doing, visiting other cities, um, paying attention, uh, you know, on the blogs, you know, looking at eaters, seeing what other people are doing, reading articles, um, just keeping up on the world of restaurants that it can yeah. support. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that, that, uh, you know, whole concept of just talking to people is exactly one of the reasons why I started this podcast because I know it's just a matter of getting out there and asking the questions. And there's one of the things that's really great about the people in this industry is they're so giving. They're so they have a love for people just like you, and they love to help. And it's just like I said, just a matter of asking the questions. And uh, I want to be that person to to ask the questions. And uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. That I love it. Yeah, dude, it's great. So um, one book, because of what you're saying is resonating with me so much in this book that I read, I need to recommend it to you. Uh, if you haven't already read it, it's called Peak by Chip Connolly, and it's all about 
feeding those higher needs, like you're talking about with uh, creating that culture and providing happiness for your employees and giving them the, you know, the means to grow and to provide opportunity. I think that's right up your alley, dude. I love it. Yeah. All right, cool. I will check it out. <laughs> for sure. Thanks, dude. All right, the next question I have for you, Kevin, what is your best marketing advice? Uh, marketing advice. So there's a couple of things. So I, I think that, that PR is so much more important than advertising these days. So I, I think there was a period where people thought that PR was dead because social media was free. Mm-hmm. And you could put message you could put messaging out there on a daily basis for free, and it touched a lot of people. But there's a lot of bad social media out there. Mm-hmm. So I think that at least hiring a PR agency at the beginning of opening up a restaurant who can help shape your message, get your messaging out to the right people is important to at least do a launch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then beyond that, within your social media, um, creating compelling content is so key. Having good photography, having good videos, not repeating the same things that you've done before, um, layering it. Um, how would you define compelling content? Well, I'll give you an example. So we partnered with a film company, um, a couple of years ago Okay. because we said, okay, if we're going to do video, let's do video better than what other people are doing it. Let's tell a story with it. When we open up a restaurant, let's have episodes. Mm-hmm. Let's, let, let's have eight episodes leading up to the opening of the restaurant that dives into each area and show people stuff that maybe they've not seen before, mm-hmm. like in, an open call and us hiring people or how we do a test kitchen, mm-hmm. um, how we do a tasting with a chef. Um, and a, a lot of this comes out of us all sitting around a room you know, all these smart people that are part of this critical path before you open up a restaurant and talking about what is the messaging that we want to get out for this restaurant. Mm-hmm. I think what most people do is just like on a daily basis, they wake up and they say, oh, you know what, I'm going to post a picture of this today. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's today's special? I think you have to be more strategic than that. Mm-hmm. I think you really have to say, okay, you know what, we're going to build, instead of having 25 things posted that are just okay, have four things that are amazing. Mm-hmm. Build, build a video that people are going to look at for a long time that you can also keep on, on the website. Hire a great photographer that's going to make things come alive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's quality over quantity at this point. Mm-hmm. I think there's so much information on a daily basis. People follow so many people that if you create something that stands out, that's what somebody's going to look at. It's not just about posting something. It's about posting something that people are going to stop and take a look at. Mm-hmm. I love, dude. Uh, all great stuff. And what I'm hearing is it's, you know, you got to create that experience just like you would inside your restaurant. You need to create that same experience online. So um, great that's stuff. That's exactly right. I mean, sometimes I, I recognize that they might have somebody that's doing social media for them that's, that's too young. Mm-hmm. And the language that they're using for the restaurant doesn't have any symmetry with what they're actually doing. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a three-star Michelin-star restaurant who has a 19-year-old girl writing your copy for your social media. Mm-hmm. And there's a disconnect. Yep. So I hear you, dude. Awesome. All right. So um, it's no secret that, you know, 
technology is evolving faster than ever. And as a restaurant owner, somebody who doesn't have a lot of time to stay on top of all these different tools and resources that we can leverage to be more productive, to be more efficient and profitable, it's, you know, it's hard to stay on top of it. So can you help us filter through what's out there by, you know, maybe saying some or sharing some of the tools you use in your restaurant, front of house, back of house, or maybe just an app that you use as an entrepreneur that helps you, you know, get that control on how you're using technology to sure i'll run i'll run through all of it listen i one i can't i can't live without open table i can't yeah um i like it from a number of different reasons i love it that the open table reviews are coming from credible sources that i know dined at my restaurant Mm -hmm. um and the analytics that those provide and the scores and how i can look at my scores from a seven day period 28 day period 60 day period and measure them all against each other Mm -hmm. uh it's it, it it's so valuable to us on a, on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis. Um, and then being able to kind of feed open table um, uh, on a nightly basis with information about our guests. Mm-hmm. Um, open table is only as good as, as, as you feed it. Yeah, and that's so, funny. it's funny you say that because you know there we had that that stretch where everyone was kind of up in arms about open table, but I've, through doing these interviews and listening to people like you, I feel like it's the people who don't leverage open table for all it's worth that really have a problem with it, and uh, I think that's that's that's, exa- that's exactly right. They give you a bunch of tools, and if you don't utilize them, too bad because mm-hmm. because you're, you're costing yourself. Because yep. on, on a nightly basis, we have all our servers come back and say, hey. Just FYI, Mrs. Johnson over at Table 32 has a seafood allergy. Mm. That way, the next time that she comes into the restaurant, before she's even said anything, we've said, Mrs. Johnson, we, we remember you have a seafood allergy, and um, you know we take that very seriously, and, 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 and no worries tonight. Um, those are the kind of things that people notice, and that, that's, how you, that's how you gain customers. Mm-hmm. Awesome. For, gain customers for life. Yeah, for sure, dude. What, you said there's a few things I don't want to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, um, I like no weight. Okay. Um, we use no wait at our rooftop bar, okay. which is a system where you give your phone number when you check in, and it'll text you. It'll not only tell you when we're ready to send you upstairs in the elevator, but how, how far you're waiting in line, and you can keep updating it. Okay. I love that. Hot schedules has made our life easy mm-hmm. from a schedule posting standpoint. Great stuff, and and, all... I, and I love my and I love my iPhone. Yeah. I wouldn't know what I was doing on a daily basis without <laughs> my calendar. What's one app you couldn't live without? Ooh. What app I couldn't live without? I don't. I think I can live without all my apps. <laughs> God, that's a good damn question. What app could I not live without? I don't know the answer to that question. Right. I don't. I don't think. What's a, what's an app you can't live without? With I, Evernote for me, man. I love Evernote. It's I write everything down and I set alarms and reminders. If I didn't have Evernote or my my calendar, I'd be lost. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that. I'm not that app savvy yet. I don't. Uh, yeah, I can't think of anything. All right, well, you've given us some great resources, so we don't need to dig any deeper. Um, all right, we're getting close to the end here, and uh, one of the questions I'm dying to ask you is if you could go back in time to that version of yourself, I think it was 1990, what was it, 2? 92, yeah. Yeah, and you could just give yourself one piece of business advice to that old version of yourself, what would it be? You know, I, you know, back then... I, I so wanted to, I was determined to do it all on my own. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't great at asking a lot of questions. Um, uh, and there weren't that many resources out there. So mm-hmm. I, I had to, I had to stub my toe a lot <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to, to learn things. Yeah. And it was just, it, it was just idiotic. I just wish that I'd asked more questions. Mm-hmm. I'd surrounded myself by smarter people 
I did my own taxes the first two years. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> and it taught me a lot about tax code, but seriously, I went through a lot of pain that I didn't have to. Ask questions. Surround yourself by people that are smarter than you are. Um, you know, it was it was it was an ego thing, and and uh, I regret it. Awesome stuff. And if there was one question you think I could have asked you that would have brought more value to this interview, what would that question been? Yeah, I would have asked about mentors. Mm-hmm. You know, who were your mentors early on? How did you find them? Who were your mentors um, earlier on, and how did you find them, Kevin? <laughs> you know, so well, there you go. Great question, uh, Eric. Um, uh, so I didn't really find my first true mentor until I opened my first restaurant. It was a chef who lived down the street um, named Scott Alderson, who um, was at a whole other level than what I was at at that time. He'd worked in some amazing restaurants. He'd worked at Jeremiah Tower at Stars in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he really taught me about fine dining. Um, and steps of service, and the, and the proper way to do things within restaurants. Mm. Um, and I just I just found him by chance. You know, he walked into my restaurant for lunch one day, and we just got into a good conversation. I was fascinated by him. He's a lifelong friend now. We've worked together several times. Um, but it's amazing know, what can we, happen just asking a question, right? <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. right. Great. So those are all the questions I have for you, Kevin. You've been an incredible guest, and I have to ask, uh, this is how we wrap it up, who is one person you want to call out, somebody you admire in this industry, one indie restaurant professional you think would make a great guest mentor on the show? You know, I think I think that um, the guys that own B Hospitality, that I'm actually partners with in Belena. Okay. Um, they've got Bristol and Fermentos here in Chicago. It's uh, John Ross and Phil Walters. Are fascinating guys. All right. Um, Phil has one of the best vocabularies in the world. He will um, am- amaze you with his uh, use of the English language. Great. John and Phil, look out, guys. I am coming after you. I cannot <laughs> wait to get you on the show. And, Kevin, why don't you let the folks at home know how they can connect with you, uh, if they have any further questions, or maybe if they want to come work for you in one of your amazing Boca Restaurant Group uh, locations. Yes, people. Boca Restaurant Group is a great place to work. We have amazing people, some of the smartest people in the world in this business. It is a fun place to come to work to every day. It's a challenging place to come to work to every day. If you are interested, feel free to email us at info at bocagrp.com. Um, you know, or you can find me on Twitter and dialogue with me on Twitter. I love to, uh, I love to talk back and forth. Great stuff. Kevin Beam, did I say it right that time? You said it right. Yes. You nailed it. You got it at the very end. You're a quick learner. You were incredible. There's no questioning. You are unstoppable. Folks at home, you can find everything we discussed, all the links to the resources, and to you know recap all the advice you gave us at www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash Kevin Bame. All right there, dude. You are without a question. Unstoppable. Another terrific episode here at Restaurant Unstoppable with another just amazing guest. I'm so grateful and happy to be having these guests on the show. And I hope you guys are enjoying it as much as I am and learning as much as I am. If you want more episodes just like this, it's up to you to connect with me 
Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Shoot me an email. Tell me who you want to hear from, and I will do everything humanly possible to make sure it happens. You can also connect with me on Facebook, Twitter. I'm out there. Just search Eric Catchtory and Eric Unstoppable. I'm easy to find. And also, if you want to check out all the past books and tools, it's easy to do. Just go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash tools or slash books. And you can find a complete list of all the tools and books the most successful indie restaurant professionals are using today. What are you waiting for? Go check it out. Until next time, peace out.